This is Walks of Life by In the Know and Some Friends. Hi, my name is William. My name is Hello, listener. I'm 19 years old, and I'm in a small town in the Northwest. I am... I'm going for a little walk in the woods, actually. I'm out here in Montana. Yes, it's cold. Yes, it's summer. I was born and raised here. here let, me, let me give you the little, like, Tinder profile version of who I am. I go to college in Southern California getting a degree in computer science in the School of Engineering. Just finished my freshman year, so I'll be going back in a couple months to start my sophomore year. I'm just going to hop right into it. I'm back in my hometown, and I gotta tell you, I am not having a great time. It's a very small town. My, the town that I was born and raised in has a population less than 10,000 people. I mean, the whole state of Montana has a little over a million people. Just the county that I go to school in in Southern California has millions of people in it, just in that county. This town that I have spent my life in, everybody knows everybody. There's three schools, right? There's an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school. I knew the same people from kindergarten all the way until I graduated in high school. There are a lot of great things about that. There's a tremendous sense of community. Everyone's important because people know who they are and everyone kind of has their role. But it's just a lack of diversity of all kinds, not just uh, racial diversity, but just diversity of thought, really. What comes with growing up with the same people is if you make a mistake when you're young, that's just who you are. There would be times when maybe I'd ask a girl out in middle school or I'd have a crush on so-and-so. That doesn't work out. Well, have fun being in Spanish class and English class and everything until you're out of the town. And then a lot of people go to the same college. There's like four or five colleges in Montana, but basically there's two. There's University of Montana, and there's Montana State. There's the Grizz, and there's the Bobcats. That's what people choose from, and it's a great deal. I mean, in-state, people go there for unbelievably cheap, which is why most people don't leave. That was not something I was prepared to do. I could not stay in this state any longer. I had to meet new people. It was it was killing me. And in high school, I just didn't click with anybody. That's something I learned being in Southern California this year. I got to meet some really great friends right away. The truth is, if you have to try, I mean, like, really try with friends, those aren't great friends. I got there, and I didn't get that. I was blown away. A month in, it was my birthday, and I had just met these people. About eight or so were my close friends at the time. When it was my birthday, they decorated a whole dorm. They had all sorts of presents, a card. I thought this was like a prank. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no one's ever... It was the best birthday I'd ever had. Couldn't believe I had gotten so close 
with so many people so quickly. He kept the same friends pretty much for the entire year. And that's given me a lot to think about as far as coming back to the friends I have in my hometown. It's such a different environment here. I hate to say it, but it, it's kind of sad. For the people that I think were born and raised and stay there, unless they really love it. Some people really love it. They like being a part of the community, being involved. They don't want to leave. That's one thing, and those people are great. But there's people that really do want to leave. They just don't know what to do. Let me talk through an example. I've got a friend that I met in third grade. It's a girl. I originally met her because I had a crush on her. And she was a very gifted student. I've always been quite a nerd myself, especially when it comes to math. Math and sciences are my strength. I do have a math brain. But this friend that I met, she was probably my one main competitor when it came to school. We just pushed each other. That was kind of the fun of it. There was this healthy competition where we tried to see who got the, who was number one, who got the highest grades. I know, very nerdy. I'd say about eighth grade, though, something changed. In middle school, the judgment of, of how well someone was doing in life was what they were wearing. I guess this isn't really unique to my school, but I think what's unique is how big of a deal it was to us. If someone showed up wearing sweats, it was like, this person's gone to the dark side. They're dropping off what's happening. I vividly remember the first day that this friend of mine, who I really saw as an equal, if not someone I admired, showed up wearing sweats, and I was so happy. I was like, yes, finally, she cracked. I'm moving up to number one. It's all over. I bested her. Looking back on that now, I think, I don't, I don't feel guilt, but there was something more serious there that I wasn't really aware of at the time. She did really crack under that pressure. I think the pressure of her family, I've talked to her a lot about it since. You know, I've asked, what was it? What changed? She got to high school and all she wanted was a group of people that she felt like she belonged with. There were older students that took advantage of that and made her feel like she was part of a, a group that really cared about her. She ended up getting into drugs pretty terribly. I remember giving her a ride one night late. I hadn't spoken to her in, in months. She would just kind of drop off. And I was like, so where, you know, what have you been? What are you getting into? And she mentioned morphine. I was someone in student council, debate team, DECA. I had no life. I was like, how do you even acquire, how do you even acquire morphine? I was just shocked. We've stayed in touch. She's gotten a lot better. But I come back, I come to visit, and that's a really hard conversation. I could talk forever about what a great year I had outside of Montana, but I don't want to do that because I know she's still struggling. I know she wants to leave, but she just doesn't know what to do. There's a lot of that. I have a handful of friends that I know personally like that, and there's many in Montana. They make it difficult to get out of. 
there's this pressure. It's like everyone's got to go to college and all of you should go in-state. That's kind of the mantra here. Take my opinion with a grain of salt, but I don't believe college is even for most people. If you're going to go into a STEM-related field or into a field that you need a degree, then yeah, college is probably a good idea. But if it's a passion or you're not sure what you want to do, it's such a good idea to just get a job at a place you like. I think so many people in my generation have this unbelievable pressure to go to college. And if you don't go to college, then you're seen as a failure. I wish the popular opinion out there was to just get out there and work unless you need college because it's a lot of money i'm going to college right now that it's in a top 50 i'll put it that way top 50 most expensive colleges in the u.s and the only way i'm making it work is because i've basically worked my ass off in high school and got a really great scholarship and i get grants to pay for three quarters of it anyway Coming back here, yeah. I've reflected on how I managed to leave and go to a place that I wanted to go. Because I'd like to be able to tell my friends, the friends that are here, that they can just go. Just go somewhere. Meet people. I think they'll really find a group of people that they'll connect with like I did. But leaving was very challenging. I remember I had a kind of a hard time right before I left. I... I worked at the same restaurant for six years now. That was kind of my home. I felt like that was the one consistent thing I had throughout high school. My father moved a lot. My parents got divorced right before I was headed out to California. I was eating the prime rib one more time, having my enjoyable moment before I left. And one at a time, waiters... Bussers, bartenders, chefs came to the table and said, you know, we're going to miss you. When are you coming back? That kind of a conversation. And I just, my stomach just sunk. And I was breathing heavy. I was freaking out after like the third or fourth person had to go to the bathroom. It's so hard to leave behind something so familiar. I was, a, I was an important person in my community. People knew who I was. And I was leaving to go to a school I couldn't even afford to visit before I committed. I, so I had never been. Just planning on uprooting my life and going to where I knew nobody. I didn't know anyone in Southern California. But once I got on the plane, actually left, and then came in and was landing in sunny Southern California... All those fears went away, and almost all of it was a very pleasant experience. I would be remiss if I didn't mention, because I think it kind of goes without saying, that the big difference between these two states and these places is in part political. I mean, we're talking rural red state versus about as urban and blue as you can get. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love it there. But it is a transition. The biggest difference is definitely when it comes to political correctness. Some of the conversations that are had just casually in Montana would set somebody off, probably. I can't imagine some of the reactions my friends would have to some of the things said. And California doesn't have it perfected, that's for sure. 
but I did have I have had a, occasional political disagreements with people there. I'm, I don't want to stay on this topic too long because it's complicated. Politics is really complicated. It's something that I invest a lot of time in. Actually, I have a interest in different political theory and what I have. I think distilled the disputes down to. And I would say this to people in Montana, I would say it to people in California, I would say it to anyone anywhere. It's that people do a really great job right now of speaking out about what they believe in. Especially in California. Went to like six protests this year. Really great activism, especially in my generation. However, that's half the battle is speaking out. The other half of the battle is really taking the time to listen. And that's where I feel that younger people usually fall short. And it's totally understandable because a lot of it's out of anger. There are issues that certainly make me very angry and I don't want to listen to anybody who I don't think is educated properly on the issue. But that's a mistake. Maybe it's my engineering brain approach to things. But when I'm trying to solve a complex problem, I want as much information as possible. If I'm taking a piece of a puzzle away and hiding it from myself, it's that much harder to come up with a solution. People just silence what someone else is saying because they don't think they're educated properly or they don't think they have a right to an opinion on the issue. When it comes down to it, we all get the same number of votes. We all get one. So I do feel that especially in times when you disagree with someone, it's really important to listen because it's going to teach you something. I've had a conversation with a conspiracy theorist who thought giants once roamed the earth, uh, aliens have already been here, Nazis won World War II. I mean, just totally off the rails in almost every way. And I just listened and listened and listened. And I did, there was now and again a time when I really did learn something. And this individual was such a nice person. Welcomed my family into his home when my parents were in the process of getting a divorce. Prayed for me throughout that whole process. Very kind and intelligent person. Who I will never agree with politically. But even when someone has ideas that I consider to be completely wrong, I'm still going to learn something. Maybe the only thing I learn is where the gaps are in communicating facts, or I could learn where the mistrust is, because a lot of conspiracy theorists is just rooted in a place of mistrust and what they're being told. That's valuable to have that information. Otherwise, we get scenarios where... This one kind of, it cracks me up in a terrible way, but I do remember when former President Trump was elected in 2016. My sister lives in New York. Go visit people there, and they, how did this happen? How is this possible? How could they, just shocked that Trump won the election. And I was sitting there like, you know, I might not agree with it, but I know exactly how it happened, because... I took the time to listen to people that had their reasons for why they voted that way, even if I disagreed with it. In these really blue states, there's this kind of silencing and attacks on those other opinions, and then they are just left with questions. It's like, well, 
You just silenced the voice that was trying to tell you why they lean that way, even if you disagree. main thing that's been on my mind lately is really whether I want to even come back to Montana again next summer. just been finding it very lonely. There are people that I continue to run into. I ran into my ex-girlfriend at work. I see teachers around. Graduation just happened. I went to a couple of different parties. It's very nice, but every time I'm here, I feel... And I'm just stuck in these past relationships. And it is hard to see how some people are doing. That friend I mentioned earlier, every time I see her, I see that young, bright person that was right there with me academically. And sometimes just seeing how sad she is. Not all the time. She has good days, too, and she's doing a lot better than she was, so I do want to extend some credit where it's due there. But it's kind of draining. Not that I'm doing... I don't have it all figured out. I have a lot of questions on my mind all the time. I'm one of those... That's my brain. I don't think I'm particularly naturally gifted. I'm just extremely curious about so many things. That's what I do. I pace. I'm a big pacer. I pace around the house and I just think things through and think and think and think. I can overthink things to death. That's what it is here in Montana. You get so much time. It's like camping or fishing or hiking. You're just left with your thoughts and I gotta tell you, it kills me because I'm too much of a thinker. I will sit inside before work every day because I work in the evenings And just think it through and think it through and think it through. Gun control. It's another one. Everyone has a gun in Montana. I have a gun. My father has a gun. We have two guns in the house. I think only one of which is in a safe. They're both just little handguns. Nothing crazy, but I know people that have full-on assault rifles and what have you. And so that's an area of target for me. That is a real target on my back as far as... When I go back to California and I have political discussions, that's just, that's something I think about. Because when I see the news, that, that kills me. I really don't like the news. They make the issues seem overly simple, right? If there's a mass shooting, I think this is so inappropriate, but they'll put a a child on TV or a parent that's just lost their child. They'll be like, how do you feel like 48 hours after it happened? I can answer that question for them. Why are we even bothering? I know exactly, well, I don't know exactly how they feel. No one could know how they feel, but I know what they're going to say. Terrible. I see that as a lot of the times the main argument being made on TV is just this shock value. When it comes to gun laws, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of parties, and it's very complicated. And i got to be honest, I have no idea how I feel about that issue. Because the majority of gun owners are responsible. Mass shootings account for a very small portion of gun deaths. But when they happen, it's horrific. And the fact that someone could get a weapon like that before they're old enough to drink. And sometimes people use the military excuse, well, they can shoot guns and kill people when they're 18. It's like, yeah, after that whole training process, it's not like they just walked up and bought that weapon and started shooting. Very complicated. Very complicated issue. 
That's been on my mind here. I've almost made it back to my home from this walk, and I'm spend these last few minutes just kind of reflecting on it for a bit. My goal when I came into it was not to feel better after sharing my thoughts. I'm a very honest, forward person. I have no pro I would attach my name to this. No problem. I'm not afraid of what I think. I'm not afraid to say I don't know a lot of the time. Very young. Yeah, 19. Hopefully I have a lot of time to come up with some better answers to these things that I've talked through today. I'd like to listen to this probably five, ten years from now, I think. That's what I'm thinking will be the most interesting part about this, because I, I don't feel... I don't feel particularly better, like maybe I thought I would. If anything, I... It's just given me more to think about. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how I change and getting that opportunity to come back and listen to this. Here's what I will say has been my favorite part of getting to record this. Creating a space for people to share any of their thoughts without judgment is a great idea. If people get the opportunity to share how they feel, we're going to learn so much more, and they won't feel like they have to hide that. When people get shut down or shut out of popular opinion, they find these little communities. Whatever place makes them feel welcome, that conspiracy theorist that I mentioned I talked to, he's got 100,000 followers. People find that community. They're out there. And they're very hidden for the most part. And I think that's a shame. I think people should feel comfortable expressing their opinions. They should feel comfortable being wrong. That's how we learn is just by speaking truth and giving things a try. So I feel grateful to have just shared my thoughts in the style that my brain works, which just is ping-ponging from one idea to the next. And given the opportunity, I would love to do it again, but I very much appreciate you, listener, for taking the time to listen to a particularly nerdy, quiet Gen Zer. So, thank you. Life is produced by In The Know, Some Friends, and Salt. It was created by Kareem Rama. Executive producers for In The Know are Alexander Hughes and Jordan Walker. Senior producer for In The Know is Alexandra Katsalis. Executive producers for Some Friends are Kareem Rama, Andrew Kuo, Keilani Esparza, and Eamon Ismail. Original audio production, music, and sound design by Salt. Executive producers for SALT are Noah Gersh, Jamie Sheffman, Nick Panama, and Kenzie Wilbur. SALT Head of Production, Liz LeMay. SALT Head of Engineering, Jordan Galvin. SALT Head of Post-Production, Robert Adler. Edited and mixed by Parisa Kazemi. Sound design and additional audio editing by Noah Kowalski. Original music and composition by Jasper Van Dyke, courtesy of Extreme Music. <laughs>